Welcome to A Listening Life, the podcast for coaches who are finding it really hard work to build a sustainable, profitable business full of clients. I'm Ali King-Smith, sharing inspiration, stories and lessons learned from some of my successful peers and colleagues who've managed to crack the code and break through. My conversation today is with Obi Abuchi, Obi's founding CEO of Core Leaders International. I have lost the f- fear of niching. It's amazing. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive because you think, oh, but if I narrow it down, then what if there aren't enough people? Well, by narrowing it down, the message becomes so clear that you lose the fogginess of trying to decide, well, is it this person? Is it this person? I've got a an underlying philosophy now where I don't compete on price, I compete on value. A Listening Life is a business dedicated to helping coaches who are tired of trying to grow their business into something that makes them happy and brings in the money. Podcasts, events, mentoring and courses. Find us on Instagram at A Listening Life and through the website listening-life.co.uk. Many moons ago, in the days before the Covids, I was in a real world room with actual live coaches learning and sharing ideas and plans. That day I met Obi Abuchi for the first time in a pretty noisy group of peers clustered around various flip charts and whiteboards as we do tend to do. Ironically, Obi stood out to me in that crowd as a gentle thinking and considered coach and trainer who was working effectively with a good vibe about him that made me want to follow his work. By the time we locked down, I was following his online content and heard about his new book, Leading from Your Core, and I started to really understand the message that Obi's sharing. He has effectively niched and grown his business. Big thank you to Obi Abuchi for sharing his thoughts on how he's moved from a struggling coach with an evangelical love and passion for coaching to a heart and core-led business owner who understands and sells value to clients. This is me, Ali King-Smith, in July 2022, speaking to the fabulous Obi Abuchi online in his business. Enjoy. I think (laughs) to answer the question what's working... It's helpful to hear what didn't work and yeah, yeah. a time where it didn't work as, as a way of explaining the difference. So this was about 10 years ago. That was when I first had the vision, the dream of working with leaders. I'd become an NLP practitioner, a coach, and had written my first book. And yet it all just fell flat. The market was crazy felt like every single door was closing, clients literally drained, nothing was working for me, so much so that we were paying our mortgage on the credit card and I was devastated. Mm. And it was a real blessing in disguise because I was forced to go so much deeper on several levels, not just deeper myself and walk the talk and apply the tools that I was sharing with other people, but also deeper in terms of understanding what does it really take to build a business and to make a a difference. And I say to a lot of people that I was incredibly zealous, but didn't have a lot of knowledge that it's, I, I could be incredibly excited about what I do, but if I don't know how to get myself out there, if I don't know how to package solutions, if I don't know how to connect with the need of people, then then things won't work, right? And there's an incredible saying 
that I came across years ago, sell people what they want and then give them what they need. Oh, yes, I've heard that. That's a great phrase. So (laughs) so fast forward (laughs) to what I'm doing now. When I had the idea of building my business, Core Leaders International, uh, an idea of a book came to me. And so I thought, I'm going to work on writing this book. And so the book came out last year and it very, it's the heart of my coaching, my speaking, my training. It gives in a very simple way that the essence of what I do and how I see leadership, which is amazing for clients because it's $9.99, the paperback, and you've got some incredible ideas in there. You can practicalize them for yourself if you want to, or you can take the next step and work with me. And so I'm seeing that working already. And I also had a very clear idea as I was writing the book. So I thought commercially with this second book in the way that I hadn't with the first one, with the first one, I thought I want to get something out there that people enjoy and they read and that's great. With the second book, I wrote it thinking, how do I communicate this in a way that people can connect with it, it's it's cool I can create a program around it I can put together a very simple model that people could share within their organizations so not only was I thinking about the impact that I wanted it to have I knew that it needed to be shareable it needed to be engaging yeah. I've had a few clients now who read the book and said Obi can you come and do something with our team and now we're rolling out some programs across the organization so thinking about the content and thinking about the overall impact that I wanted it to have but but thinking commercially as well it's got to be something that connects with people in organizations in my case yeah so if I take it back as a journey and I love I love that idea of the the book is a way to to dip into what you do and if you want to go deeper you can book me you know I can come and work with you that's really seems pretty powerful so you had this what I I hear a lot is evangelical I've qualified I'm an NLP practitioner I'm a coach I can change the world and then I don't seem to have any clients (laughs) and then and then there's a book so so what was the jump from this is not paying the bills yet to I know I'll write a book or was it literally like that? <laughs> well, no, no. So I did circle after my first business. I That went dormant. I went into working for a consultancy and, and moved from a consultant all the way to a consulting director and then had the inspiration to write the book. And it was the reasons were yeah. personal. My mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And she was one of my biggest fans for my first book. And she kept going on at me about writing a second book. And I wasn't interested. And then I thought, wait a second, you know, she's not going to be around forever. So I do want to get my skates on. And there was that dream within me to build my business that just hadn't gone away. It was as I started thinking about re-engaging on my own as as a coach and a trainer, as a consultant, that I thought, how am I going to do this in a way that is viable, that is commercial, that 
not only demonstrates my credibility, but but it helps me actually win clients. So yeah. th- that's why I say there was a real distinction with the second time that I, I thought commercially at the same time as professionally. Mm. First time round, I just thought my passion was going to do it. My zeal was going to do it. People are going to look and say, Obi, yeah, we love you. Yeah, let's take you all around the world and bring you into our organization. It, it, it didn't work that way for me. Maybe it was really not. not. <laughs> for me, I, I had to think. I had to think commercially. I had to think what yeah. will connect with people. How do I get people to taste some of what I do, build that trust, and then develop the relationship that way? Yeah. What's really nice, though, in the story is you your company went dormant and you got a job job. But within that, you will have been building your wisdom, your experience, your ability right. to consult and Alpha then does. write about it. So you, you kind yes. of got the beef behind it before you yeah. went out there and write, wrote it. Yes. Yeah, I definitely developed the commercial skills then that were missing the first time round. Yes. When you think back to that that time consulting, is there stuff from there that you bring now to build your business all the time? (laughs) Absolutely. So one of the things that the consulting period did for me is it helped me I've got a an underlying philosophy now where I don't compete on price, I compete on value. Right. The the first time round, it was easy to think, oh, I'm a coach and oh, what do most coaches charge? Oh, they charge X an hour. I need to charge X an hour. But actually, I really want to help them. And should I really be charging? I just want to make a difference. I want to help them make a shift. Now I think about it differently. Because I was dealing with organizations, we were thinking, what's the impact we're helping your organization have? What's the growth that you are having? What's the savings from uh, increased engagement and increased uh, service to the client, uh, reducing staff turnover, reducing sickness? So we never just thought of a program as oh, here's something, it's a three-day program and how much of our time has gone into it? No, we're thinking about the value and the impact that it's having on the organization. So I take that same approach with individuals, especially because I work with leaders. What's the impact of your growth as a leader? What's the impact of you developing your effectiveness? What's the overall value? If I'm looking for coaching, and I, I think of a specific individual, senior leader that I was working with recently who was struggling, just kept losing his jobs. And it really came down to the fact that he didn't have a really clear sense of his values and what he stood for. Mm. So the the value of coaching there isn't simply, oh, it's a 500 pounds an hour for this conversation. This is about your future. This is about your legacy. This is about your impact in your organization. We're talking about, you know, if you're growing as a leader, you're overseeing a department that's turning over a couple of million pounds, there's there's significant value in that. And that's the way I think. And also, I think a lot of the, the leaders that I'm speaking to, because they're thinking on that level, then I can come at it with incredible amount of confidence. They're not doing me a favor by helping me I mean in a sense you know, we both are but um, sure. I feel very confident that I am helping them 
and giving them some incredible value. And so I don't think about it as competing on on price, but on value. And that's something from the consulting days. How interesting. So, oh, I could go in so many different directions there. Maybe I'm stuck which way to go. I'm going to, um, I'm going to talk a little bit, if you're happy to, about specialization and niching and reputation, if that's helpful. Because uh, I've seen core leaders, I hear your language, are very clear about what you're offering. How did you come to that and how useful is it for you now? I don't want to give the impression that it just came easy. I too have have wrestled over the years. Can't I just help everybody? Can't I just make a difference to everybody? But one thing that's incredibly clear off the bat with Core Leaders International is that our focus is on leadership. That's personal. I've had a real passion for leadership ever since a mentor of mine gave me a copy of Stephen Covey's book when I was 18. So so there's that focus on leadership. But then again, leadership is broad. Is it everything? Is it all organizations? There's, we are very clear about what type, just leading from the inside out and, and personal mastery. And what it does is it makes our message, my message, the message either I put out, that the company puts out, very clear. We're just very clear and consistent. I think the the other area that we had to take it to, though, was my team and I, we've done some work recently around our archetype. So who, who are our customers? When I was, I'll tell you this quick story. So when I was writing my second book, um, call it Leading From Your Core, I had only one person in mind. Yes, I wanted loads of leaders to read it, but I I decided that I was only going to write to one person because I knew that if I could speak to, and I had an actual individual in mind, if I could speak to this one individual, then I knew that I would connect with a lot more people. If I had tried to speak to everybody, then I feel like I would have connected with no one. And that's the same thing that we're doing with our customer archetype is just being very clear. And it's it's amazing. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive because you think, oh, but if I narrow it down, then what if there aren't enough people? Well, by narrowing it down, the message becomes so clear yeah. that you lose the fogginess of trying to decide, well, is it this person? Is it this person? And, and we're serving people outside of our customer archetype, but it's it's given some incredible focus. And I also notice the difference when I'm having conversations with either potential um, clients or, or partners or people making a referral. I can be very clear about these are the sorts of people, sorts of organizations that we work with. And I've noticed that you get more recommendations that way because people can think of, just give you an example, let's say I say, have you got a friend that's got a teenage son? All of a sudden, someone will come to mind. You think, oh, okay, it could be that, that, that. But if I say, oh, have you got a friend who's got kids? Like, oh, well, uh, loads of people. Or have you got a friend who likes Chinese? You yes. might think of, you know, no one particularly comes to mind unless you you're really specific. So that's what I found is powerful. And the more have you got a teenage son who likes to play rugby and lives in the north of England? Yeah. Absolutely. Like really going further, then you, you narrow it down even more. So I have lost the f- fear of niching. Um, yes, I love a niche. It's worked really, really powerfully for me. Um, and I'm, I still try and 
remain curious when I'm working with coaches who say I'm resisting a niche I don't want a niche and I, I I see people who say they have no niche and are being really successful when I dig a little deeper I personally think they have a niche uh, and it's a personal kind of this is how I do it kind of a niche but they don't think don't say that they are I would love to hear your sense of finding that niche the, the journey from I've just qualified to I'd like to tell you about my niche and what your sense is of that so some of the things that have helped me with thinking about a niche is just some simple questions about what excites me? What are some of the problems, challenges that I notice naturally in the world? And which of those resonate with me or connect with me? Um, for example, so in terms of an industry that we focus on as a business, we're doing a lot in, in the tech space. And, and in large part, there are several reasons behind that. I've got young boys and I see they're really into tech. Tech is driving a lot of what we're doing in the world today and across various businesses. It's fast pace, it's high growth. There are a lot of emerging leaders coming in. It's also got a potential culture where people are having to adapt so fast and then they burn out quickly as well. And so really need that leadership uh, support. So so for the various reasons and just some of that connection, that's one of the areas that we focus on helping leaders in that space. So that's one of the ways that I've thought about it o- over time. I love that phrase, just things you notice and things that resonate with you in combination. Yes, I think perhaps there's a third circle in that Venn diagram, things you notice, things that resonate with you and things where you might have something, some experience or some something to offer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a need to be able to speak some of the language. It reminds me of one of the first books that I came across when I moved into the consulting space, or even actually even before that, I think probably before I did my NLP training. Now, it was uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. And so in that, he's got the hedgehog concept, and it's thinking about an organization. It was more about your sweet spot in terms of your offering, but there are elements of it that help with niching as well. It's what are you passionate about? What do you have a talent for? And what drives your economic engine? And so I think it's really important, let's say, as a, this is a counsellor rather than coach, but that's the first example that comes to mind that that uh, a counsellor might say, listen, I've, I really enjoy chatting with married people. And so I want to go into marriage counselling or career or career coaching, because I just love chatting with people about their careers. So this is back yeah. to coaching now. So figuring out what you're passionate about, what you've got a talent for, what, yeah, the the news that you like to um, pick up, and then what drives that economic engine. You think I've got something of value. I've got some experience here that is connected to this. I've got stories that I can draw on, because then I'm really adding value to my client base when I'm able to understand their world as well yes yes I wonder if it's about making people feel heard as well I know um I was wrestling with a theme um, at home and my daughter sent me a Harry Styles 
song that just spoke to that thing that I was wrestling with. Mm. And I laughed, ha ha, Harry Styles. And then I listened to it and thought, that guy's talking to me <laughs> directly. And it helped me, you know, it served me well just to be able to listen to those words. And, and sometimes I think a niche, we're scared of a niche, but actually if you if you played a niche to someone and they thought, oh my goodness, that's the person for me, then that's a gift of a thing to be providing rather than something scary. It really is. And you know, what I loved about that, just your Harry Styles example there is that yesterday I was watching something that made me think of one of my clients and I sent it to him and I said, I think you'd really love this article. And then he responded and said, oh yeah, great article. I've just shared it with the team. That's, and that's, the value of a niche because it's I tend to read certain things these are some of the news topics I'll pick up and then I'm aware that this will be in tune with a lot of the people that I'm serving and so hey share it and and it does make a difference Um, otherwise you're trying to be a master of everything and I don't enjoy everything there are certain things I do so sure that's just reminded me, actually, I have a, a lovely friend and colleague who's a mural artist. And she said she could always do with a folder in her email for putting pictures of murals that people send to her, just everybody sending her pictures all the time. And I thought, I wonder what the equivalent is. If you had a niche in coaching such that people kept sending you stuff to serve your niche, I mean, that must that must be a measure of breakthrough. So you know, for people to be sending you things that match what you're trying to cause. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I think it, it's, do you have a a catchphrase. I was chatting with someone, a friend yesterday, and we were talking about a partnership. And it was really interesting hearing him talk about what I do. And I said, Oh, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. for you uh, as a business, you're you're very much about, you know, just leadership from the inside. And and I thought, there you go, you've nailed it. And and I think that's the power of a niche. Otherwise, it'd be well, um, yeah, OB, it's no. For me, I know it's working because someone else could say, yeah, we think yeah. this is what you're about. A friend of mine was, there's another friend of mine who a, runs a coaching business. And one of his key phrases is discovering your true north as a leader. And, and yeah. another friend mentioned it. And I said, yep, yeah, that's him. So again, <laughs> it's just, it helps people to put their arms around what can be quite intangible uh, at times if you're not really, if you've not really niched out. You haven't got there yet. I would imagine it works the other way as well. If you're really stuck with your niche, if you ask people who were precious to you, describe me as a coach, they would, you'd probably get some thematic descriptions that would begin to help you the other way to describe how you be. That, what you've said there is so true and so powerful. I, I've actually got to tell you a story of when I decided to leave my uh, the consultancy I was working for to set up on my own, I had worked with a number of great clients who knew me really well. And so I had a conversation with one of them who I had done, we had spoken at conferences together, designed some great leadership programs. And I said, so you've worked with me and you know what I'm about. If you had to describe the essence of my focus, what would it be? And and that was, and she said, well, it's 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 just, it's a deeper way of leading. It's almost, you know, from your gut, it's from the inside. And and that's when I thought, oh wow, core, okay, it's it's my core. I need to go away and think about that. And and that's how it came about. So actually, I'm glad mm-hmm. you 
you said that because it's true that just if you're struggling with a niche, I know we've talked about the three circles and doing a bit of, of it yourself, but validating it or even starting with people who know you really well. What am I about? What would you say I stand for? What floats my boat? What do you see? If you had to describe me to someone, how would you introduce me? Right. And yes. So those things could really help. And, yeah. and the beauty of that is that you are already putting yourself in the shoes of the potential people that you serve and therefore the language will already connect with with them rather than having to make it up your yourself so yes it becomes real yes even asking them if you had to send me into coach one person that you know who would you send me into coach that kind of question might be helpful <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah yeah yeah, nice. yeah so an extension of the niche conversation is always the product offer the package the how the what to to sell do you do that do you parcel things up with bows and offer them as a thing or is that part of your thinking yeah yeah again it is so the comment earlier on that um i made i said i heard this years ago you know sell people what they want and then give them what they need Mm. so as a coach as a consultant as a trainer you know your starting point is hey i want to go out and i want to make a difference and it'd be so easy to start from you but it's really important to think well what do people want to buy now yes people buy coaching but it's more than that people buy leadership development they buy performance growth they buy team away days and development sessions and all of that and so so I had to think about how people buy and who are the buyers who are the decision makers within organizations if if it's just if I'm just aiming it at solopreneurs then I think okay well it's just one individual but if I'm aiming it at organizations then you've got to think about the heads of HR, the heads of talent, the graduate development managers, the um, L&D managers, and all of those are they're typically looking for packages. Um, and that was certainly a big driver behind the way we've divided our four solutions and some of the subsets uh, within yes. those solutions. Uh, that's what we've done too. So we've got solutions and then offers within solutions and it feels really like as soon as we did that the clients understood it better the website was easier to write the materials that went with it matched it was just kind of ease ease came as a result of just making it obvious what things were rather than knitting it from scratch each time which is what I was doing before making lovely bespoke hand knitted jumpers (laughs) for everybody taking hours and hours yeah, and that can work in some cases, but then it would be like going into a shop and just seeing wool. Yes, and it's just a wool say, shop. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, it's a wool shop. Oh, no, I don't need wool. I'm looking for a jumper. And, yes. and I think that's a great example. It's sometimes people don't know what they want. Yes. And it's we sit in restaurants, right? We go in and we look at a, a menu and, and when you see a meal, you think, oh, I think I want something like that or I think I want something like that there are some niche restaurants where you go in and they could just say well what would you like we'll make you anything but that's rare you typically go in because I what you've got a picture of something in your mind and I think having really clear products gives people a picture of what 
of something in their mind and they're thinking, will that solve my problem, the solve the yes. challenge that I have? If it's amorphous, then it's hard for them to, it's wool and they'll go somewhere else looking for the jumper or the sweatshirt or the you know, face cloth, whatever. Yeah, because the shock is when you start, you realise there are some really tacky jumpers selling by the million. (laughs) (laughs) While you're you're hand-knitting from scratch, (laughs) like, oh my goodness, they bought this awful jumper and it shrunk in the wash and it didn't even keep them warm and they're still buying it. Yeah, so that's hard work to get your head around. (laughs) So I think we've got to the stage where we have lots of jumpers, high quality jumpers on a rail that we, we know people have asked for that jumper before. So we yes. can give those jumpers, but also there's a room where you can go and talk about what kind of clothing you'd like to, to knit. So you can still do that. Indeed. It doesn't have to be every Indeed. single time. You, you can tuck in the jumper. You can change the colors. You can yes. refine it. You can even make something completely different, but it's just that starting point that helps people understand what's possible. Yes, gives them pictures in a brochure. This is what you can have. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Pushing this metaphor a bit far, possibly, <laughs> but yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> helpful thinking. I would love to just talk about the building of the format of a business. So that sense of it's going to be bigger than just me. I'm going to mm. need some help with this. Um, even if it's just a bit of IT support or if it's real um, more coaching or whatever it is, but Coming to that moment of I need somebody else to help me and, and whether you've done that and how you've managed that. I know we took, we've been sending emails to patients, so you're not alone, but just not knowing sure. the structure of your business. How do you come to that? For this, I've got to go back to when it didn't work. And I, I was actually having this conversation with someone earlier on because I do a lot of the business development, but we're, we're planning to bring on a business development um executive into the team i've got someone who looks after the personal mastery academy i've got 10 coaches that help me with our personal mastery academy and other coaching and training work and and i do the keynotes and still some of the coaching and training but it's had a a bigger vision this time the first time round when i was building my first business motivatum i thought i did have a vision of it growing and and even had an org chart but i thought okay whose name was in all of the boxes, it was Obi. And eventually when I get enough work, I'll then um, divvy it out. And But it became overwhelming and you're doing everything. And and for me anyway, I was doing everything and, and didn't feel I was really able to break through in the way that I needed to. And so this time around, when I started building this business, very earlier on, I got someone in. Um, yeah. And and there are incredible ways to do it now. Back in the day, first time round for me was 2008. There were, I think there were organizations like Upwork, but getting freelance support, getting part-time support wasn't that easy. Now you can get um, virtual VAs. You can get uh, additional support for minimum resource in the meantime, just to help you scale up and and I I had a very clear vision that I was going to I didn't want the business just to center around me otherwise I would be a bottleneck I wanted to build something that was scalable some people would say hey you know get that resource when you need it my philosophy has been get it before I need it and then build build towards it 
I really made a meal of that, of trying to decide when to take people on and when to use resource. And actually, my latest breakthrough has been doing the sums of what would it cost to employ someone part time and not in the summer, just all of the time. And just mm-hmm. rather than thinking how much am I going to have to pay every month, but just here's a budget, which is a bit less than a bike would cost. Sure. And for that, you can have someone amazing there all of the time. Just, yes, just that yeah. big shock of actually, you can afford it if you if you work out what you need and when you need it. And I think I, I made a terrible job of, of delaying that too long, getting really tired, trying to do everything. I, I would really support what you're saying about building it as you want it to become later. Yeah. And, and there have been times where that has meant that I am drawing down less than I intended mm. to, but that's okay. So it's also part of it is thinking, what can I live with? Yeah. And and just bring more people on board because I know that I put this out to a friend earlier today. There's an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And with my business, I'm determined to go far. And so that means the sooner that I can have people. I was speaking to a, a, a co-founder of a really successful business earlier today. They've been going for 20 uh, two years now. And he said something that struck a chord with me and I was chatting with my wife about it. He said that he was in a very fortunate position having a co-founder. The benefit was day to day, they could chat about challenges and difficulties and that helped them build a really strong culture much early on. And he said, I'm very aware that a lot of entrepreneurs don't have that. And that's a classic mm-hmm. case for a solopreneur that you don't have that support. And, and and that was something that I realized that I would need, that even if it's I've got a member of the team who's working part-time, but just to have those conversations, to bounce ideas around that help you to build, you can't, it's hard to put a price on that. It's not as simple as I need someone to do a specific job. It's I also need an environment that just helps me to, stay sane and and obviously it's got to be viable right but um i think that's part of it yeah those thinking partners so important aren't they Mm. whether they're co-founders or co-travelers and i talked about the mural artist sarah she's in my life from years and years ago we we meet regularly we have a sort of mastermind um co-coaching group where once a month we all come and pick each other's brains. it's like having founders but without the scary bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true that's true i've got something similar with some friends of mine we for the last five years we meet together once a week early on a monday morning and just support each other in the different areas of life that particularly around well life and business um, yeah that's nice. absolutely critical mm. Yes, I'm aware of running out of time, but that I would love to leave with that thought for people as well. The um, the traveling, who you're going to travel with, and how you're going to help each other, and how regularly could you make that part of the the day to day? I think it's so important. People I see who are keeping it going, who are making it work, seem to travel along with people. They don't do it alone. Absolutely, a big value of the co travelers is that they help you walk your talk and take your own medicine. Uh, as coaches, we can have a huge impact on others with the tools that we provide and being able to use those on ourselves, having other people who remind us of those tools. And I'm not just talking about coaching supervisors, but just co-travelers who remind you of those tools because it's really powerful for your own growth as well. Mm-hmm. 
So thank you to Obi for talking to me today and sharing your thoughts about your commercial steps in the business. Great for me to think again on the way we work in my organisation, Clearworks, and the constant dance between bespoke design from scratch and building scalable delivery. It will forever be a wool shop now in my head, but a great metaphor. What are you wanting to sell? Jumpers off the peg? Specially designed catwalk jerseys knitted from scratch in rare merino yarn each time, somewhere in the middle. All of those things work at the right price point and with the right support. So enjoy the reflection and good luck with it, no matter what you choose. I'll put details in the show notes of Obi's book, Leading From Your Core, so take a look at that, both as a great book in itself and also as an inspiration for your own business planning. What could you write if you wanted to that would serve your business growth? I don't know Obi as well as some of the guests on A Listening Life, so it was even more of a pleasure to find our conversation easy and relaxed. Massive thanks again, and good luck with your ongoing story, Obi. My huge thanks to producer Steve Folland and to Lauren Hills at HQ. A Listening Life is a business dedicated to helping coaches who are tired of trying to grow their business into something that makes them happy and brings in the money. Podcasts, events, mentoring and courses. Find us on Instagram at A Listening Life and through the website listening-life.co.uk.